Who still watches the news? That's more than I thought. Some of you will know that I am not a very big news watcher. I, I don't ever think to myself, oh, it's six o'clock, I better turn on the news. Do, I don't even actually know what time the news is on um, or what channel. I know there's, it's on different times, different channels and stuff like that. But as Sarah and I, as Sarah's been at hospital and I've been there with her, the TV's been on many times and the news has come on. And most of the time it's been about Chappelle Corby. But as I watched and as I was preparing for this sermon, there were stories that stuck out to me. There were stories that struck me. Like the story this week of a father who kills his son with a cricket bat and then it proceeds to be shot by police and dies later that night. Or the story of a young man convicted for throwing his fiancée off a 15-story balcony to her death. And as we sat and we watched these stories and heard those words, we mourned. We mourned the loss of life and that humans can do such harm to each other. These are not easy stories to listen to. Maybe that's part of the reason I don't watch the news very often. These stories cause us to mourn. And tonight in the book of Romans, Paul tells us the story of humanity. And like those stories that we hear on the news day by day, the story of humanity is not an easy story to hear. It's a story that should make us mourn. But before we get to our passage tonight, do you remember what we looked at last week? Do you remember the wonderful news of verse 17? Look down at your Bibles. Paul tells us that in the, God, in the gospel, God's righteousness is revealed from faith to faith. That is, God gives the gift of righteousness to those who believe, to those who have faith in Jesus. The gospel is the good news because God declares us to be righteous when we believe his promises. This is the wonderful news that Paul is eager to share with the Romans. But then Paul goes on to say something a little bit shocking. After sharing the wonderful news that God has revealed his righteousness, what does Paul say in verse 18? Have a look. For God's wrath is revealed. Hang on a second, Paul. Didn't you just say that God's gift of righteousness has been revealed? I thought that you had good news to tell us, Paul. God's wrath is not good news. As we heard last week, God's rightful anger at sin and judgment upon us, that's the opposite of good news. Is Paul trying to confuse us? Well, no. He's not trying to confuse us by telling us that bad news is good news. No. At this point in Romans and over the next couple of chapters... Paul tries to show us exactly why God's righteousness needs to be revealed. Why does God need to give the gift of righteousness in the first place? Why is the gospel necessary? He's saying you cannot have the good news without the bad news first. God's righteousness needs to be revealed because God's wrath has been revealed. 
Paul wants to tell us about the God's wrath before he tells us about the gift of righteousness. And to show us just how bad the bad news is, and just how much we need the good news, Paul tells us the story of humanity. The story of why and how God's wrath is revealed. And it's not an easy story to listen to. It's one of the saddest passages in the entire Bible. But here it is in the book of Romans, and so we need to read it and grapple with it. Paul says, The story of humanity is that God's righteousness is revealed because his wrath has been revealed. But why is God's wrath revealed? I know that we know the answer is sin, and that we can point to Genesis chapter 3. But what is it that Paul says? What reason does Paul give for God's wrath here? Let's look at it from verse 18. For God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all godlessness and unrighteousness of people who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Since what can be made known about God is evident among them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes... That is, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what he has made. As a result, people are without excuse. Why is God's wrath revealed? What do you guys think? It's your turn. Why is God's wrath revealed? Just shout it out. It needs to be revealed. Godlessness. Other thoughts? People suppress the truth. How do they suppress the truth? What, what truth is suppressed by humanity? Well, if we look closer, the truth that is suppressed is the truth that God has loudly and clearly shown himself in the creation that he has made. When humans look at the universe that God has made, when we look at the beautiful trees, when we look at tall mountains and the blazing sun and the moon and the stars, when we are in the wild ocean, when we see beautiful and fierce animals, when we experience human relationship at its best, when we eat all the food that this world has to offer, humanity us, we should see God's invisible attributes. We should see that God is eternal, that he is powerful and divine, and we should glorify him. But what do we do instead? We suppress the truth. We ignore it and we pretend it is not there. We do what verse 21 says. For though they knew God... They did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became nonsense and their senseless minds were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, four-footed animals and reptiles. Or put it another way, verse 25, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served something created 
instead of the Creator, who is praised forever. Amen. Why is God's wrath revealed? Instead of worshipping the one who made the amazing things that we see and experience in this world, humanity invents their own gods, carves them into wood and stone, and bows down to worship them. Humanity worships those things that God created and gave us. Back in the day, it was rocks and trees. Today, it is money and property, experience and food, sex, career, relationships, ourselves. Humanity worships these things instead of worshipping the one who made these things. And that's what makes this passage so sad. Humanity has committed the greatest injustice possible. Did you see it? God is not rightly glorified. The one who is praised forever is not praised by humanity. We do not thank God. We do not glorify him for what he has made. We do not worship and serve him. The greatest being that has ever existed, he's cast aside. He's traded in for something else. The, creation, the creator is swapped for the creation. God is not glorified. He is ignored and replaced. That's ridiculous, isn't it? Imagine for a second you go out to a restaurant and you order a delicious meal. Let's say number one tire around the corner. I love that place. Imagine that after we finish tonight, you walk around to number one tie and you order chicken pad thai. Mm. You sit down and you eagerly wait for your meal. And as it comes out, it's steaming and you smell it and it smells incredible. You lift your fork because you don't know how to use chopsticks and you <laughs> dig it into the food, lift it to your mouth and eat it. You enjoy each mouthful until you are full. There's a little bit left on the plate. And so then, instead of getting up and going to the chef and saying thank you, you lean over your food and you whisper, Thank you, Pad Thai. <laughs> or, instead of getting up and giving your money to the waiter, you take out your $10 and you just kind of smush it in the food a little bit. There you go. That is ridiculous, isn't it? Shouldn't your thanks and money go to the people who made the meal? Unfortunately, this is not that ridiculous. Because this is what humanity has done to God. It's the story of humanity. It's what you and I have done we have worshipped and thanked created things instead of our creator. We have paid homage to our meal and not the chef who made it. And so what does that mean for humanity? End of verse 20. Have a look. As a result, people are without excuse. People are under God's wrath. This is really important. Some people misinterpret Paul here. Paul is not saying that looking at the sun and the stars and the moon and the sea can make you saved. That if someone who's never heard about the God of the Bible can look at the creation, 
cry out to this God and then somehow be saved. No, Paul is saying the opposite. Paul is saying that God has revealed enough of himself in the creation that no one can make the excuse, I didn't know what I was doing. Humanity as a whole has seen God reveal himself in his creation. Humanity has ignored him instead of worshipping him. And so no one is excused from God's wrath. Looking at the sun and the stars and the mountains, it actually condemns us because the result is not glorifying God, but making idols instead. The story of humanity is God's wrath being revealed. Why? God has revealed himself in creation, but we humans respond by devoting ourselves to that creation instead of the creator. And so we're without excuse before the holy and just God. But that's not the whole story of humanity. Paul doesn't just leave us to wonder what God's wrath looks like. He doesn't leave us in the abstract. He tells us how God's wrath is revealed in this passage. Three times, Paul tells us that God delivered people over to his wrath in a surprising way. Have a look at verse 24. Humans ignored God and worshipped creation instead of the creator. Verse 24. Therefore, God delivered them over to the cravings of their hearts to sexual impurity so that their bodies were degraded among themselves. Or verse 26, this is why God delivered them over to degrading passions. And verse 28, and because they did not think it worthwhile to acknowledge God, God delivered them over to a worthless mind to do what is morally wrong. How is God's wrath revealed? God's, God delivers people over to the cravings of their hearts. God delivers people to degrading passion. God delivers them to a worthless mind and immorality. God lets people sin. God hands people over to their sinful way of life. He lets their evil desires consume them and take control. He lets them live in a way that they want to, ignoring the way that he has designed life to be. It's like the dad who finds his son smoking a cigarette and so as his punishment makes the boy smoke the whole pack. One by one, the boy puffs away each cigarette feeling sicker and sicker until they are all gone and he's left feeling regret. We sin by worshipping idols so God lets us live the full life of sin. He lets us smoke the whole pack, if you like. Instead of living the joyful life of honoring God, we disregard him. And he hands us over to ways that he did not design life to be. We suffer the painful consequences of sin and it builds up to judgment until the day that we die. Paul gives us some examples of what, he's mean, of what he means, doesn't he? In verse 24, God gives us over to what? Sexual impurity. That is, sexual activity outside of marriage. God has designed sex to be enjoyed between a husband and a wife, but humanity goes against this in all sorts of ways. 
In verse 26 and 27, Paul gives homosexual activity as an example of this sexual impurity. Here, we see the Bible's plain teaching on the topic of homosexuality. Have a look at it. Paul calls homosexual activity unnatural, shameless, an error that deserves a penalty. The Bible is clear. Homosexual activity is sin. Just as all sex outside of marriage or abusive sex is sin and deserving of God's wrath. This does not mean, by the way, that homosexual attraction is sin. There might be people in our church who struggle with unwanted or confusing homosexual attraction. Those thoughts are not God's judgment on you. That's not what Paul is saying here. It is entertaining lustful thoughts and living them out that is called sin, whether homosexual or heterosexual. Homosexual attraction is something that happens. It happens this side of the fall. And whether you are a Christian or not, it happens. But as Christians, we need to treat this topic and people who struggle with this with love, with truth and with care and with prayer. Our church should be the safest place for these issues to be talked about and prayed for. Moving on from that, Paul continues his story of humanity. He gives us more examples of how God's wrath is revealed. And it is a bleak picture. Verse 28. And because they did not think it worthwhile to acknowledge God, God delivered them over to a worthless mind to do what is morally wrong. They are filled with all unrighteousness, evil, greed and wickedness. They are full of envy, murder, quarrels, deceit and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, arrogant, proud, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving and unmerciful. Although they know full well God's just sentence, that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but even applaud others who practice them. What is the story of humanity? All humanity has ignored God. They've made idols for themselves and fallen into this list of sins. That's what we see on the news every day, isn't it? That's what we mourn when we hear stories of murder and abuse and hurt. People ignore God and they fall into the full life of sin. And if for a moment that we think we can be excused before God or that we are not that bad, have a look again at that list of sins. Most of us are not murderers. But how many of us can say that we have never had envy or deceit or gossip or slander in our hearts, that we have never been untrustworthy or unloving or merciful, that we have never been disobedient to our parents? None of us. Paul levels out the playing field for us completely. We are all in the same boat. The story of humanity is that God's wrath is revealed. We exchange the truth of God for idols. 
And so God hands us over to this life of sin. What's Paul's point? The situation is dire. Humanity is doomed and under God's wrath. There is no avoiding this situation. There are no loopholes on our own. There is no escape. So how should we respond to the story of humanity? This story that that people are under God's wrath and utterly sinful. We need to respond to this story in three ways. First of all, we should not respond to this story of humanity by being better. By pulling up our socks and not sinning because Paul says we can't. We can't read this and think, I need to earn favor with God again. We can't do it. We never could. The situation is too far gone. Instead, we need to recognize all humanity alike is under God's wrath. People have no excuse. God doesn't want us to pull up our socks. It's too late for that. And even if we wanted to, we couldn't. And even if we did, it would not satisfy God's wrath. As Phil showed us last week, God, he is totally righteous. He has promised that the wages of sin is death and judgment. God demands righteousness from us, but we can't give it to him. We should not insult him by thinking that we can right our wrongs by simply being better. This is why the gospel needs to be revealed. God's righteousness needs to be revealed. As we have seen and as we will continue to see in the book of Romans, the gospel is the only thing that can save us. God doesn't want us to pull up our socks. He wants us to exchange the lies and idols that we have trusted in for him. He wants us to have faith in Jesus, the one on whom God's wrath was revealed against, so that it doesn't have to be revealed against us. We cannot respond to the story of humanity by simply being better. We need the gospel. And instead, the right response to this deeply sad passage passage is number two, mourning. Mourn that this is the story of humanity. Mourn that this is the state of the world. Mourn the injustice that God is not thanked and glorified like he should be. Mourn that people are steeped in sin and wrath and without excuse. Mourn the reports that we see on the news every day. Mourn the sin in your life and my life and the people of your and your friends. Let the story of humanity bring you to tears. Sometimes as Bible-believing Christians, we move too quickly from sin and God's wrath to God's grace to us shown in Jesus. Go there. But don't go there too quickly. If we don't let passages like this weigh heavily on our hearts, then we will never truly appreciate the gospel. If we don't care enough about the story of humanity under God's wrath, we won't care very much about the good news that God gives us, his righteousness. But let's not let our response end there. Our third response to the story of humanity must be mission. Let your mourning become mission. Why? 
Because humanity is under God's wrath. They are steeped in sin. So share the gospel so that people can be saved from that and so that God can be glorified like he should be. Brothers and sisters, the wonderful news of the gospel is that God did not leave humanity in this state. We will see this in coming weeks in the book of Romans. Jesus died for our sin. God's wrath was revealed on him. Jesus takes our sin and gives us his righteousness. Even though we've exchanged the truth of God for a lie, Jesus exchanges his righteousness for our sin. And I watch as many of you get this, especially those of you who have become Christians in the last year or two. You know the story of humanity and it compels you to share the gospel with anyone who will listen. Some of you have experienced the deepest parts of the story of humanity and it compels you to pray for your friends and family. It compels you to give your money to those sharing the gospel in places where it has never been shared before. It compels you to share the answer to the story of humanity. Church in the Bank, let's, make, let's mourn the story of humanity and then go on mission together for God's glory. Let's pray. Father, you are holy and righteous and just. You are the good creator of everything. You deserve all glory and praise. By your spirit, convict our hearts of the truth that we as humanity have not given you the praise and glory you deserve. Do not let us try to fix the problem with our good deeds, but lead us continually to the cross. Lead us continually to faith in Jesus and lead us to mourn for the broken and desperate state of this world. And then, Lord, use our mourning to spur us on to mission, to share the good news that you give the gift of righteousness to those who have faith in you. Thank you for this gift. And please help us to share this gospel so that people are saved and Jesus is glorified. Amen.